Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the show. It's Ben here. Vern Howard is my guest today. I'm delighted to have him along. He's the CEO and co-founder of the very impressive HR platform, Hello. Now, as they say themselves, Hello helps your company engage with the next generation of talent while learning valuable data-driven insights about your brand. So let's find out how. Hi, Vern. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. Whereabouts are you? Because if I get this right, you moved to San Francisco and then you got out of Dodge. Is that right? Yeah. So so for three years, I was in San Francisco. Um, I moved there originally because our, our um, investor at the time moved me from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco in like 14 days. Uh, our lead investor was Gary Camp, the co-founder at Uber. And I uh, was in San Francisco three years. And, and right before COVID, I moved to L.A. Um, just kind of like better... Yeah, better balance and work life. Um, yeah, outside of San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm just so used to everyone moving that direction. Are you the only one moving out of San Francisco, or is there a bit of a trend there? What's happening? Right. So what I'm seeing is that a ton of my friends are moving out of San Francisco. One, uh, the quality of life is different elsewhere, and two, San Francisco is ridiculously expensive. Um, and I think COVID's just striking this trend that everyone's seeing is like remote working and remote teams and how to build those. So kind of, yeah. why wouldn't you want to save some money if you can? Absolutely. Especially building startups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And as an Aussie living in Europe, uh, I'm kind of used to tech firms, uh, HR tech firms being built anywhere in the world, not just San Francisco. So that's that's great that you're, uh, I don't know, diversifying and and taking it to the next step. So that's great. Let's um, find out a little bit about Hello. Do you want to start by telling us about your background and what led you to the formation of Hello? Sure, sure, sure. So like my story is like kind of long, but kind of interesting. We'll see. Oh, yeah. Um, so so I'm, I'm originally from Rochester, New York, which is this like upstate New York, small town. Um, literally, you know, I graduated at 16. I played lacrosse all through high school. And at 16, I graduated early because I was really gifted in math. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I told my mom, I'm just like, oh, I don't think I want to go to college, right? Because if you graduate at 16 and you're gifted in math, obviously you just, you think you can do whatever you want in the world. Like, <laughs> hey, I want to go against the trend. Um, my mom went to RIT, so it's like a top technology school. And she's like, dude, you need to go to school. And I'm like, ah, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And like a year later of me sitting at home, working like a job at UPS that was random, I was just like, okay, maybe I should go to college. Maybe mom and was right. Yeah, maybe, maybe she was right. No, hopefully she doesn't listen to this and, and, and she still <laughs> talk to me about this all the time. But my dad was living in Virginia. I literally called him. I was like, hey, dude, I want to go to college. I have no idea how to even apply for college or what to do. And he's like, yo, you should come out to Virginia and check out UVA, VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University, um, Virginia Tech, and U of R, University of Richmond. Uh, I literally moved on my staff, checked out Virginia, and it was a totally different scene than Rochester. Um, and I ended up settling on VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University. They didn't have a lacrosse team, which was like a bummer for me. They had a club team, but they were like the number one art and branding program in the world, in, in the world, in the U.S. And I was super, super interested in art and branding. Um, eventually started studying computer science there, graduated, got to the career fair, didn't know what I wanted to do. I had two offers on the table between Capital One and like a, a uh, sales and trading role in 
trading and finance in, at, uh, at JPM, was like chatting around about, and Capital One actually pitched me. They were like, Vern, our competition isn't Morgan Stanley, it's Facebook. And they were like, we're a digital bank. We're going to be the first digital bank. And I was just like, I have to go work for these guys. So in 2012, <laughs> I literally accepted a job at Capital One and uh, built, built basically their first mobile banking application. Um, we promoted in like six months. And they were like, we want you to do something more technical. You're super smart. Like we need to figure out something else you can do. And they were like, do you want to be a hacker? And I literally was a hacker for Capital One, a white hat hacker. Got my CEH with some guys that were all, most of them were from the NSA. I was the only one from, the, from a bank. Um, and started like hacking web apps. So basically figuring out passwords, cross-site scripting, these kind of like vulnerabilities in the banking platform that I had just built to move people's money around or steal their passwords. It was super interesting at the time. Uh-huh. I wanted to actually move to UK. And they would not, Capital One basically was like, hey, you know, slow down. And I was like, okay, I don't want to slow down. So I started trading my bonus because I was pretty bored. And I met this guy who ran the trading floor at Capital One. He's like, hey, we hear you're trading your bonus. Do you want to help the Derudas trading team and sit on the trading floor? Which is kind of like full circle because that's what I was going to do, try to do at Goldman or JPM originally. And yeah, all throughout that time, that story was super interesting to everyone at Capital One. And they were like, yo, this kid didn't go to an Ivy League school. This kid is from like this non-traditional background. He like hustled his way through. He's like going from technology all the way to the other spectrum of finance, like deep finance and derivatives. And we need to tell his story. So they'd send me around the country to talk to students. And one thing I learned was just like, there's no right way to recruit students because most of the students didn't know what Capital One was, how they'd fit in there and like how to actually get a job there. And they didn't get that pitch that I did, which is like, you know, our competition is Morgan Stanley, it's Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Build something that's every student, regardless of race, gender, creed, or university prestige. Um, talk to every company in the U.S. and gather that information needed to make a decision. So it's kind of like my story and why I started it. Well, it's got quite a lot of uh, quite a few elements in there um, from not accepting to accepting mum's advice and then uh, ethical hacking and building a, a mobile bank all at once. Uh, yeah. Your head didn't fly into a dizzy spin at all. No, I, I, it, it's it's surprising. Even my team now, I move at like fifty thousand <laughs> miles per hour. It's so funny, but yeah, it was right. fun. Super brilliant, fun. brilliant. So tell us what exactly does Hello do and how do you help your right. customers? Right, right, right. So w- one thing we learned on, on the student side was that it's like right now in the US, there's a ranking of schools, which we know the Stanford's, the Harvard's, um, the Caltech's. And right around 1% of students have access to like the top companies, the Facebook, the Google, the Coinbase's. Um, and what I noticed was that there was no way for students to actually interact with the top companies in the US if they didn't have the, like, the right network or the right information access, which usually just comes from what university you go to. Um, so I built a platform that lets students right now join online events and interact with companies real time. And companies, on the other hand, can say, Vern, well, I only go to 31 schools a year, but I want to interact with more women, more minorities, more diverse sets of students. Um, and there's no way for me to do that at scale without spending millions of dollars. But if they can host an online event, we can meet them in the middle and let everybody talk to each other and then collect data on these interactions. So it's literally a, just a data-driven online events platform. Um, wow. And today we work with over 72 companies and 1,200 universities are on board at this point. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, the conspiracy theorist in me thinks, did you start this whole coronavirus thing? Yeah, yeah, it was me. Sorry. Well, uh, it, it must help Hello, surely. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny, right? Like before COVID happened, we were getting a, a decent amount of traction, right? I think we we had around, you know, 43 companies and 200 universities as soon as march hit 
a, a day in March I'll never forget is one day we scaled 410% in a matter of like an hour. Um, we went from like maybe a mere hundred universities, 200 universities to 1200 um, wow. in a day. The service crashed. Amazon called us off zero called us <laughs> like, yeah, you know, you need to upgrade everything because yeah, <laughs> it was too much traffic. So yeah, COVID actually helped us out a lot, but for us, we're super sympathetic to that. So we know some, some people are for sure out of work and some students are, they don't have financial resources. So we've been, we've, we've launched over $30,000 in scholarships just to support students and minorities and, and, and even a women in tech scholarship just to give back because we know it's like a sensitive subject, but we want to be here to kind of like help um, bridge the gap. That's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Uh, and the whole move online, uh, look, I have to say I was doing virtual conferences before they were cool. I uh, ran a nature consultants conference uh, at the start of, 2020 which was about a thousand people turned up and people were saying oh this is great because you can't get to events suddenly COVID hits and uh, it, everything's moving online one interesting thing I remember having a chat with uh, Zakia Mabry uh, episode 48 of my podcast she's a diversity and inclusion expert she was talking about how um, that the online world has actually encouraged people who are perhaps more reticent to speak up Whereas if you're in an office-based environment, big team meeting, you know, the loudest voice gets heard most. So your events are encouraging more diversity and inclusion, I imagine, by having it in an online forum. So how does it work for an employer who wants to expand their reach, let's say? Right, right. So an amazing thing is like, you're spot on. What we're seeing is like the student, you know, and it can be compared to the employee who would never really speak up in person online they're they're actually more comfortable because that they're digital natives right and they they've, they've been here um so they love speaking up online kind of like not hidden behind an avatar but hidden behind a profile where they can communicate yes, um, yeah. but for employers who are looking to expand their reach we actually have a head of community she's amazing she she will actually sit down and and talk to employers it's not a silver bullet but like different employers have different goals and we'll figure out their goals like is it more women is it more minorities and what we actually find is in these online events especially you can't be what you can't see. So if your goal is to recruit more minorities, if you find like a person of color or a woman in your organization who's doing something really, really amazing, getting them to host the online event for you will actually open that community and unlock that community and drive more of those, you know, whatever your goals are to your organization. Um, yeah, it it's really fascinating to look at the data because we, we held an event one time with a, with a top three tech company. I, I won't name drop them, but um, they had a, a woman of color who was running recruiting there and she joined the event. Her, her goal was to interact with the uh, HBCUs, the historically black colleges. Um, and the event overwhelmingly had like an over 40% reach of African-Americans, which was like for them unprecedented. Um, yeah, and what we're right. seeing is just like, you can't be what you can't see. So the data is like really fascinating on the back end. I love it. Yeah. Cool. So the companies that work with you, what are, what are the kinds and, because people listening to this show, a lot of them will be consultants or, or other HR tech firms, and they're always interested in partnering and that sort of things. What kinds of companies use your platform and how can right. they help spread the word in that regard? Right. So what we're seeing right now is that initially, to, to your point, we're in Silicon Valley. So our initial target market was like a lot of the tech companies. We knew that a lot of students were going to you know, gravitate toward the tech companies. So initially, we had some of the you know, top 100 tech companies on the platform. And that was interesting and I think it was great, but what we started to notice from just surveying our students and talking to them was that they wanted to reach other types of companies like nonprofits, you know, bald bracket banks, the, the bigger bank and financial institutions. Um, so right now we have like an overwhelming amount of companies from like different areas. One, one is like the gaming area is like really, really hot right now. 
a lot of people are into esports. I don't know if you follow gaming at all, but a ton of our students want to interact with like esports teams and like gaming companies. So the biggest thing for us is we always say that we're agnostic on what type of companies we work with, but we do like to work with great people who take diversity seriously and they have goals. So sometimes we'll talk to companies and they'll come and say, hey, you know, Silver Bullet, help us get more women. And we're just like, okay, that this probably is not going to be a fruitful relationship if you don't have like actionable goals because there's no silver bullet for diversity. It's kind of like we actually have to sit down and do the work. And one big piece of hollow that we always push to our customers is we're non-transactional. So you're not going to come here and like check a box and like hire one student and then like say, okay, cool. We hired one student from like an HBCU. We're great. We're on our diversity goals. We actually want to show you how to build relationships in these communities so that you can continuously um, tap into communities to recruit the talent that you need to remain competitive. Um, so there's no really top, like company that we really focus on, but we do want to make sure that the teams that we work with are non-transactional. They're not just checking boxes, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's bigger than yeah. that. Um, so stepping back a little bit, where do you think we are now in terms of diversity and inclusion in recruitment and, and in workplaces these days? Are we making progress? No. I, I, yeah, sorry. I was like super blunt. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think we are. And, and I, here's a reason. I don't think we are because what, originally happened and i'll say it's funny covid is actually helping this out and i think you hit it right on the head it's like some people are online and more open to having these conversations now and speaking up um no i previously a lot of especially the large companies that were like hey we're going to throw money at this solution which most people think that's like a winning bet is like hey we're going to invest 10 million dollars into diversity or, or another form of like diversity training or bias training and what I realized is like most of these things are just, again, checking a box or going through the motions yeah. um, and not actually sitting down and understanding like what the problem is in the organization. And if you sit down and you actually talk about these things and understand like what's going on in the organization that we are attracting this type of talent, you'll realize that it's something that you can actually change if you are you if you're like really focused on it. But I think most people are just like, hey, let's hire a consultant, um, bring them in. We'll have some bias training. We'll hire like three or four people from diverse backgrounds and then, then we're fine. We can change, we can update our numbers and show it to our board, right? That's like the thing, like, look, <laughs> like let's show it to our board. Let's call Fortune and do an article about how we are diverse and our numbers increased like 1% since last year. Yeah. And what happens also is like the people you hire from these diverse backgrounds, if you are not a naturally, uh, an organization that really con is concerned about diversity, they'll leave after a year. So the retention there is really bad and you have to start all over again. And I think that's what we've been doing post like previous to COVID is like, it's been a cycle where we've just been spinning our wheels. Like we hire four or five people from like an HBCU and then they come and work for a year or two and then they leave and they go to another organization to check another box. And it's just like, but I think now in the time of COVID people are actually taking it seriously because we're all sitting at home watching the news and we're seeing all these things in the press and the media. And we're like, wow, this is actually a huge problem. Right. Yeah. Um, outside yeah. of just hiring. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it reminds me of that old HR joke, the person, the, the kind of departed this world and they're they're at the gates there and they're, they're going to be sent to heaven or hell goes and has a look at heaven looks pretty nice it's clouds and and you know, harps and things like that then he gets taken a, of a tour of hell and people are playing golf or swimming in the pools or eating barbecues and having a great time he goes well heaven looked nice but honestly hell looks a lot more fun yeah i'll take hell thanks they come <laughs> right, they let right. him into but they let him into hell and suddenly there's hellfire and brimstone and pain and suffering and went, hey what are you talking about i thought it was wonderful no, right. no, yesterday we were recruiting you. Now you're an employee, so you're stuck here. Yep. So, yep. yeah. Yep. You can, um, 
you can put in, as you say, run a little workshop and hire a couple of people, tick that box, but they're not going to stick around if, if it's not a, a culturally embedded thing really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's a big problem. And I, and I see like a ton of people right now too are like spending money, a, a bit more money um, on understanding the data in this. And mm -hmm. that's where like for us, we're like really doubling down like, hey, let's use data to tell the story yeah. because that's actionable, right? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, uh, as people know, I'm a bit of a marketing nerd in the HR okay. world. So how did Hello get its first few customers and what are your main channels now for getting new customers? Right. So the first few customers we were able to get, one thing I realized was that I, I went from the student side. So I was like, if I can get students to interact with me or build a community with me, I can tap into certain employers who take this seriously. Um, so the first thing I did was actually take myself back to college and say, okay, cool. At, in college, like what was like the number one thing I wanted to do to build community so I could feel included. And it was student organizations. So what I did like true hackery, but I, <laughs> I actually went online and I scraped every student organization in the U S from 311 schools. So it was around 3000 student organizations, Nesby, SWE, SHIP. Um, and what I did was interact with them and say, I literally took a poll and was like, Hey, what companies do you guys want to talk to? Like, if you could talk to a company tomorrow outside of your career fair and those kind of things, if you could build a relationship with these companies, which, which would they be? And once I was able to get a certain amount of students, let's call it like 250 students polling for like a certain company, um, whatever it would be, Facebook, Google, whatever, I'd actually reach out to the recruiter on LinkedIn and say, hey, I have like 250 students that want to interact with you for an hour. And would you be interested in talking to them for an hour? giving back. And, and I mean, honestly, if they were an alumni from this school or one of the schools <laughs> that I had a, a, a brand with, and it was yeah, yeah. instant, they'd host a session. And after the session, regardless of the company, they'd say, oh, wow, Vern, how many students did I talk to? And I'd be like, oh, well, you talked to 250 students from over 67 universities in an hour. You answered 120 questions. Also, here are all the metrics on like your brand and like what you can do better. Here's the breakdown of race and gender. And the company would sit back and say, Wow. I just went to Grace Hopper last week and Grace Hopper is awesome, but I didn't collect any of this data to be actionable. And that's how we would actually build a brand and companies would begin to share that with their friends and recruiters and other, and it kind of flywheeled from there. At that point, I was only using email campaigns. And you, since you're a marketing guy, our cost to acquire a customer for students at the time was around eight cents, which wow. I mean, I just, I love the numbers. So yeah, <laughs> it was super low. <laughs> Yeah. I always laugh yeah. when people sort of ignore email, but yeah, the, the, the power of building up that list, but I love going in there and saying that we've got 20, 250 people waiting to talk to you for an hour and here's, here are all the results afterwards that that must be music to their ears for sure. And yeah. then you just leverage yeah. that with others. Is that right? Yep. 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 I would just go around and say, well, look at this unit, like look at this company and how they were able to build a relationship with all these universities that they would never go to in person because they can't, they can't access another level of budget to say they're going to go to a university because their manager is going to say, hey, well, you want to go to Michigan State? We've never been there, right? So we don't really know what we're going to get if we go there. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this thing where maybe I don't want to dip my toe in the, in the pool right now, but if there's a way to dip my toe in, in the pool earlier without like spending a ton of money out of the budget, then let's try it. And once you actually get them to try it and have data to support why they should go or interact with these students, they realize that they have super fans there. And they can actually tap into some talent that maybe their competitors aren't focused on right now, which is always key. Yeah. Yeah. So how's the, the strategy going to evolve now as you get bigger and you get busy, you can't just be 
hacking lists and you know leveraging one after the other what are your scaling plans so so one thing we're seeing right now is that right originally it was like the student organizations were amazing um one thing that happened there was the student organizations built such a great relationship with us that once one president would leave they'd actually hand hollow off to the next president so we we built really deep relationships there one the, the next layer of like what we were focused on is like how can we support career services and I don't think it was something we focused on initially, but in the time of career, how they're going to do their job. And I told my team, like, as a product guy, I'm like looking, I'm like, well, how can we actually build something that helps career services manage your relationships with companies, but also build new relationships with companies and if they're not in person. So we actually launched this like career services tool on Hollow that lets you as a career services team member one invite your entire career services team invite new companies that you're interacting with already to host events on hollow specifically for your students but also if there's a company on hollow that you don't have a relationship with you can actually give them access to your student body meaning build a relationship real time and once we actually unlock the tool for career services teams they began to invite the students for us which now to your point we don't even really have to interact with those emails at all because the career services teams are actually inviting their students for us, um, but also inviting their companies because their companies can't come on campus, right? So yeah, that's genius. Yeah, strategic partnerships there. That's the way to leverage yep. it. Very yep, nice. Yep, yep. Very nice. Yeah. So yep. I noticed that um, recently you you raised some VC capital, and and can you tell us yeah. a bit about that? How did the VCs decide to back you, and what sort of tips do you have for other HR tech firms that are looking to raise money? Right. Um, so, so I'll say like our story to raise the money wasn't like <laughs> super pretty, but we, we got it done, which is, is amazing. Um, I, I think the number one thing that I noticed with raising money, especially in HR tech was like VCs, a lot of them just like, uh, I don't know if I want HR tech. I don't know if I want to, you know, <laughs> are they spending money? Like what's the revenue model? And I think one thing that I really, really focused on for us was telling that bigger story of like the world's changing everything is going to be digitized um obviously the covid story fast-tracked a lot of things that i was kind of envision envisioning last year but i think one thing i really really focused on was i knew my numbers and it's just like i can rattle off the cac for a vc they're just like okay cool like one of the hardest things in building community is low cost and anyone can say okay cool if you can get a good amount of students a company will come and try your platform once or twice. Um, and I just proved that I could get students on the platform. So a lot of the VCs were actually, I had one um, one of my v, um, investors, he's awesome, Jonathan Chu over at Tribe. I remember when I was pitching him, he actually sat down and he was just like, you know, I don't invest in like products and, and, and those kind of things. I actually invest in like uh, strategy, like tactical strategy. And literally that, that was my pitch to him. I was like, hey, here's how I'm getting students. Here's how I'm going to leverage how I'm getting students to get companies. And here's how I'm going to match it all together to, to get the universities like trust and buy in. And those tactical strategies, especially at the seed, is what matters to a VC because the product's going to change. The business model is going to change, which ours did. But that tactical strategy of like, how are you getting students and how are you getting companies? If you have that down packed, a VC will definitely take a look and say, well, you have at least these portions thought out. Um, everything else usually changes. But one that's that's one thing that i'll say is like was super super helpful and then obviously like the warm introductions and being in a network helped out a ton just going through expa and having uh 
the buy-in from Garrett and those guys at Exploit helped out a lot. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely know your numbers in HR tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's such an interesting point you raised about the, uh, what would you call that, route to market or the channels that yeah. with which you can grow your audience and your target market. Because I know some businesses, they just absolutely fall in love with the product. And you know, it's a bit like the, the mad scientist in the garage tinkering away forever, never actually thinking, well, how will I get people to see this uh, and want to use it? and want to pay for it. So I love the fact that you've, that's where you start and that's how your, let's say lead VC, uh, you know, grew their level of interest. So, so well done on that one. Yeah. Um, so what do you see coming down the road for HR and the world of work and you know, how should listeners get prepared for these changes? Right. I think two things I'm like really bullish on is I think um, credentialing is going to go fully digital. So like, we're seeing Google just launch Google Genius, which they're basically trying to say that Google Genius will be a newer solution for like college degrees. I think that's like <laughs> super amazing. I think everything's going to go fully digital in that space. Um, and people are going to have like newer solutions for the student who says, ah, I don't want to go to college. I just want to learn the material and get a job. We also are seeing like companies say, hey, you know, we don't really care about your degree. And Google actually took that position. Um, in, it, as we speak about go-to-market, an amazing go-to-market to say like, not only are we going to credential you, but after that, we'll hire you. Um, that's nice. amazing. Yeah. And I also think as we continue to look forward, like most of the things in the educational space are going to go fully digital. COVID is, going, is like basically the first time in history that every parent, every teacher, every student is constantly online and engaging with HR and ed tech platforms at the same level that they're engaging with like social media, like because they they have to, I think everything's going to move fully digital and we're not going to go back. And the reason for that is just based, based on my initial conversation is the data we're able to collect here. Um, and and what the company side is like how they're preparing. It, it was interesting around March through maybe June, I saw a ton of companies just scrambling, like what's going, what's going to go on here? Like, how are we going to actually like recruit? How are we going to do our job? Um, but now I'm seeing a ton of companies adapt the digital strategy and prepare for it. And mm -hmm. they're loving it because they're just like, Hey, I'm actually able to collect way more data than I was by going in person. And I get my time back. It's funny. One of these guys actually told me, forgot what company he was from. He ran campus recruiting. He said, burn. Um, the reason I love the new digital strategy is that I was on the road like four times a week going around to career fairs and traveling and I was missing out on time with my family. Yeah. And as a product guy, I mean, yeah, of course, I'm like, okay, we can save you money, we can save you this, we can save you that. But like, the empathy in me was like, wow, this guy's just like, you know, I love doing my job, but I'm also missing out on like portions of interaction with my family. And I thought that was like a super interesting use case. It's just like, can we give you, can we give you time back with your family? And I, I, I imagine a ton of people are are focused on that right now, especially during this time where you are at home a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, wow, I can do my job and still have a have a life, if you will. And I think that balance is like really, really key. But yeah, in my opinion, everybody's going to be fully digital, fully remote working is going to be a huge thing, um, which it is now. Um, but we're not going to, I don't think we're going to go back. I think the market kind of has spoken there. Yeah, I don't definitely. know. No, you're right. You're right. And, and that's a great uh, piece of advice, actually, for anyone listening. It's not just think about what are the end benefits for the company, client, customer. Also think about the person you're dealing with, because uh, we all have individual role responsibilities, but we also have individual challenges or problems whilst doing that role. So for instance, this person that you mentioned, the, the college recruiter, they had issues of time and travel and, and personal pressures 
being away, missing their kids' you know, football practice, whatever it may be. And, and others might just be completely swamped at work. I know one of my clients does um, HR automation and yes, it reduces costs for manufacturing businesses, but equally it, it saves people time. It so means they can focus on higher level stuff that's maybe more interesting for them. So always think about what's in it for the company, but what's in it for the person too. So yeah, really good points there. What about if people want to learn more about you or the platform itself, what should they do next? Yeah, so um, most of our stuff is set up online. I'm happy for people to like reach out. I love people to reach out to me. So it's just vh at hollowthere.com. Um, but also if you go to our site, www.hollowthere.com, um, you can sign up and, and we'd be happy to give anyone a demo. Um, and honestly, just anyone who kind of listens to us through this podcast, if you're interested, we would love to let you host a free event to check out the platform and kind of kick the tires and give us feedback. Nice. Um, yeah. Excellent. Well, Ben, thank you very much for sharing your story and your ideas. And I, I think the platform's brilliant. I think it's going to go a long way and, and it, it's also going to make a difference in, in workplaces and for students' lives. So thank you very much for all you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. This is awesome. And uh, thanks for letting me share my story. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.